Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. Pennsylvania in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Senator Square Newswire service. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking on the link in the show description. Joining me today is Anthony Hennon, the Center Square's Pennsylvania reporter. Managing editor Alan Wooten is getting an early jump on his holiday time off. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, got into Ohio the uh, the other day. Just uh, been seeing family and working uh, working remote. All right, good for you. <clears throat> We're recording this on Thursday, December twenty second. Anthony, it's uh, good you got an early start on your travels because uh, much of the country is on some sort of a winter weather advisory. We hope our listeners stay safe. Of course, with Christmas now just a couple of days away, it's a busy travel time in Pennsylvania and throughout the country. So if you are traveling. Please make sure you're aware of the weather conditions where you're headed and stay safe. Um, Anthony, you mentioned you're uh, in Ohio with family for the holidays. Uh, any any big plans? Uh, it's just a lot of a run around and uh, seeing all parts of the family, you know, mom's side, dad's side, cousins coming down, trying to overlap, see uh, uh, see some friends who just had um, their first or second uh, kids recently. So uh very hectic, not very restful, but uh, fulfilling and uh, a good good sort of exhaustion. Well, enjoy the family while you can. <clears throat> Before we get into this week's news, uh, Anthony, I want to acknowledge the passing of Franco Harris, the legendary running back of the 70s era Pittsburgh Steelers. I know Harris was before your time. Uh, Anthony, but uh, growing up in Erie as I did, it's lot, Erie's Lodge right between Buffalo with the Bills, Cleveland with the Browns, and of course, Pittsburgh and the Steelers. <clears throat> there was a huge hot rivalry among the fan base uh, there in, in Erie because they were sort of split between, between the three, three, three teams. Excuse me. My dad was a, a Cleveland Browns fan when I was growing up, so he, of course, brainwashed me into being one. And I can't tell you how many times Franco Harris and those great Steelers teams from the seventies broke my heart. Uh, Anything that, anything to add, Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously that was before me. Um, I grew up a little apathetic toward the NFL because uh, Southeast Ohio, everyone kind of splits. You have a third going for Cincinnati, a third for Cleveland and a third for Pittsburgh. Um, So my, my cousins pulled for Pittsburgh and they were very, you know, very excited um, wherever they played. And so naturally I had some antagonistic, uh, tendencies toward them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, this was a loss, especially for the Pittsburgh area and just how influential he was there, even outside of, uh, you know, just the, the sports memories and the glory days that, uh, he was a part of bringing to everyone in Western Pennsylvania. Right. So sad, uh, a sad passing to note. Our condolences to Harris's family, his friends, and to the entire Steelers nation. So moving into the news, um, Anthony, you, had an, it, you know, it is holiday season. Um, you had an interesting story uh, this week about the cost of phone calls um, between family members and those who are incarcerated, whether they're in a state facility, a state prison or a county jail. I'm sure this is the time of year uh, that families want to connect with their loved ones who are in jail or in, in prison. Tell us about the disparity in costs and, and, and what you found here. Yeah, so I think this was uh this was an interesting report coming out of the prison policy initiative um where they're generally focused on many different criminal justice reform issues uh but I think this is one that sort of fostered the cracks where they essentially looked um across the nation in every state and looked at um phone call rates in county jails as well as state prisons 
Um, when we're looking at Pennsylvania specifically, uh, Pennsylvania is not one of the worst or most expensive states, uh, but it's also sort of mediocre right in the middle of the pack, um, you know, compared to more than a decade ago. Um, uh, call rates for just a 15 minute phone call could be uh, very high. Um, looking back as uh, late as uh, 2008, Pennsylvania's in-state and out-of-state calls could average about a $10 charge for a 15-minute phone call. Um, and this this was a national issue. Um, FCC reforms kicked in about around 2014 or so, and we've really seen numbers uh, drop down. Uh, and so now when you're looking at a lot of these states, um, it's cheaper compared to the past where 15-minute phone calls are generally, you know, in Pennsylvania, it's about $0.90. Cents, um a minute, uh, but the uh, the the thing thing that pops up here is um, when when you're comparing local jails to state prisons, uh, the disparity is great. Where the average cost of making a phone call from a local jail in Pennsylvania is about three point two times as expensive uh, as within the state uh, prison system, uh, and this really falls this burden falls on um, the loved ones of inmates. Um, they're the ones paying for it, and also. Uh, you know, in, they're generally, in, in many cases, they're, I mean, they can be lower income families. So, yes, you know, yes, exactly. This is uh, the, the, the prison policy initiative makes the argument that because this falls so heavily, this is effectively a regressive tax for a state service that should be considered a public utility of sorts. Um, so I, I, I think it's interesting, but I think what's, uh, what's big here and what uh, PPI emphasized is that, uh, one, th- this sort of cost takes place in a broader context where we have a lot of these services outsourced from jails and prisons and handed over to private companies, and they don't have much of a uh, an incentive to you know negotiate rates down or uh, you know charge what people think is it would be a reasonable or a fair price. Um, but also, this sort of has these long term consequences um, that can reflect back on the public. Where when uh, when prisoners are cut off from you know being in touch with their family with their loved ones, uh, you know it seems that recidivism rates rise or problems pop up. So by cutting off uh, this sort of commun- these community ties, these family ties of prisoners, it makes it harder for them once they get out of uh, the local jail or local or state prison uh, to readjust and you know find jobs, find that social circle of support that they need to reenter society and, uh, you know, avoid committing any future crimes. Um, so, you know, I, I think there is this cost issue for, uh, you know, uh, Pennsylvanians who are paying these prices. Um, but this is also one that rebounds across the state. And you can also look at other cities or states that basically made calls either free or very, very affordable, sometimes as low as a penny a minute. Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot of room for improvement here in Pennsylvania. And I think this can benefit, you know, not not only prisoners, but also just uh, public safety and all of uh, all Pennsylvania society. If we take this as a more serious issue, and, and honestly, I, until you're reporting on this subject, I didn't realize uh, this was an issue. And in today's society, of course, you know, we all have cell phones. Of course, we play our pay our monthly cellular fees. But you think of the the phone call you make, whether it's a local phone call or an out of state long distance phone call. You know, you don't get cost to it. So this is sort of a a throwback uh, to to older times when you know when I was growing up in in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, I wasn't allowed to make a long distance phone call without you know letting mom or dad know because there was a cost associated with with those with those uh, phone calls. Well, prison prison inmates, jail uh, uh, jail inmates, and their families still have that cost per call, and um, just something you don't think about. Mm-hmm. 
Let's move on. Um, Anthony, another story you wrote this week. <clears throat> we just got out of one election cycle and we're already heading into another election cycle with midterm elections behind us. Um, local elections are starting to, uh, to gain some steam here. Philadelphia will have a mayor's race uh, in uh, next year, May 16th primary. You wrote about it this week. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, Philadelphia's uh, mayoral race is essentially wide open. Um, current mayor uh, Jim Kenney is uh, serving out his second term. Um, there's no clear uh, successor or uh, you know his right hand man to take place. Uh, so we're getting a lot of people throwing uh, their hats in the ring, as it were. Um, a lot of these are coming from um, city council members. I think we've seen was it now four. Uh, city council members uh, stepped down because to run in the Philly mayor's race, you have to resign from your city position. Um, we've seen a city comptroller. We've even seen one um, uh, Pennsylvania uh, representative step in. Uh, but when we're looking at uh, at some outsiders, um, one has grabbed the attention of the uh, Transport Workers Union, Local 234, which represents uh, about more than uh, 5,000 workers who uh, run the uh, city's uh, SEPTA transit system. Um, so they've announced uh, that they are supporting uh, the Democrat uh, Jeff Brown, who is a local um, grocery store owner. I believe he owns so- somewhere around uh, nine or ten grocery store f- stores, if I'm remembering correctly. And a, and, a, and a political novice, pretty much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brown, you know, Brown has some political connections. Um, he's well known in Philadelphia political circles, uh, but he's never held elected office in the city or anything like that. So it's kind of an outsider, but w- also with some connections here. Um, but that, that status really appealed, um, to, uh, to the union. Um, when, uh, when I was speaking with, uh, their, uh, representative, um, their, uh, local president, Brian Pollitt, um, the big, big emphasis, uh, one was from Brown, uh, his previous work where Brown as running these grocery stores, he's opened a lot of these in low income areas and places that would, uh, previously been labeled, uh, food deserts as a way to try to make sure that people have better access to healthier food. Uh, but he's also uh, done a lot of work among um, uh, the homeless community. Um, he's donated a good bit of uh, food for uh, you know f- feeding the hungry, that sort of thing. And um, that stuck out to them as well as his uh, focus on public safety. Um, the, the workers union obviously has been very concerned about uh, rising crime in the city and rising crime on the transit system. Right. Uh, you know, we, we've seen various shootings and violence. We've seen assaults on the public and on a few um, transit workers as well. Uh, but there's also, I think, generally just the uh, the quality of life issues, you know, homelessness, drug addiction, um, all those things that make people maybe stay away from taking uh, taking the bus or the subway as often as they would. Um, that really affects their members. And that's something where they uh, they they'd really like to see a change and they think Brown can deliver that. So uh, just getting started on our uh, municipal election coverage, um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, things to write about when the Philly mayor's race and and some other races across um, Pennsylvania. Once again, the primary is May 16th. You can follow Anthony's coverage uh, on on the elections at thecentersquare.com. Anthony, another story you wrote this week um, has to do with the, the growing amount of business tax credits that the state uh, is giving out. There was a huge jump from one year to the next. Um, tell us tell us about that. Yeah, so we're looking at um, this uh, research brief coming from the Independent Fiscal Office, um, which has a lot of great coverage on um, you know budget issues, population issues, and kind of giving us an update on the economic situation of the Commonwealth. 
Um, they issued a research brief uh, looking at Pennsylvania's tax credit programs. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they've been growing. Um, two years ago, they jumped up, I believe, something about uh, almost $90 million from one year to the next. Um, but from uh, fiscal year 21 to 22 to uh, this fiscal year 22 to 23, we've jumped from about uh, $679 million to uh, about $888 million. So wow. about an increase of a little more than $200 million. Um, and the, these, these credits, so there's a few different areas here. Um, one of them uh, has been uh, in the realm of educational tax credits. Um, some of that more focused on uh, businesses uh, donating to scholarship funds or educational uh, groups. Um, but you've, we've also seen a, another one, um, the Ed- Education Opportunity Scholarship, which also is another uh, form for uh, donations from businesses to fund scholarships for students um, to leave a low-performing school and go elsewhere. Generally, um, so low, low-income families have a have a choice if their local public mm-hmm. school um, is is not doing well, not educating their child well. They can take those those scholarship funds and and go to a school of their choice, whether it be a charter school or a private school. Is that right? Yes, yes, essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know, it, with it's interesting. I think with the education tax credits. Um, where the argument, you know, it's uh, is is this a form of, you know, corporate welfare or subsidies of the state putting the thumb on the scale or not? Or is this more, you know, steering businesses to do some sort of social good or, you know, uh, some way to help the education system? Um, so I, I think those are kind of an interesting look. And those come out to, uh, I believe, both of those. It's somewhere around $250 million. Um, So that would be uh, some quick math. I don't know, roughly 30%, I think, of the tax credits. Um, but so then you the, have other, what, yeah. What do the rest of them go to now? So, so the, the, I would mm-hmm. the, the the scholarship tax credits are one thing, but the sort of the economic development or incentive to, the incentive for job growth that that's a completely different thing. And to tell us about what those ones are, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, economic development was a was a, a major use here for tax credits. Um, one of them, uh, the Keystone Opportunity Zone program which is uh, designed to uh, bring in investment and economic growth and employment in specific areas of the Commonwealth, um, generally you know, un- underdeveloped or low-income areas. Um, we saw about $114 million in credits go out for that. Um, and then sort of related to that, at least in terms of economic development, you have the film production tax credit, um, which is up to a $67 million, and then another $8 million for an entertainment economic enhancement program. Um, and those generally go, uh, a lot of that's fallen in Western Pennsylvania, especially around Pittsburgh, um, for, uh, you know, bringing in, um, film crews for TV shows, for movies to the area. Um, the, uh, the issue here with, uh, either the Opportunity Zone program or the, uh, film, film, uh, tax credit program is that, uh, you know, it's not really clear that these really do well. Um, you know, the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development argues that these opportunity zones um, have been a tremendous uh, success and have created or spurred billions of dollars in private investment. Um, but we've also seen critics, uh, such as from the Commonwealth Foundation, have said that they've really failed to de- deliver on uh, these promises. And the uh, a lot of this tax credit program can either flow to companies that would have built something anyway or would have invested this money anyhow, but now they're just getting more um, uh, a less tax liability as a result of these. So it's not so much... Uh, creating new investment or creating new jobs so much as sending money to uh, jobs and investments that were already going to happen. Um, film subsidies as well is the same problem. Um, we've seen this within Pennsylvania 
Georgia, um, a lot of different states have uh, uh, tax credits or subsidies for film production, uh, but we're not really seeing uh, huge booms in growth. Um, you know, if you're looking at it narrowly, yeah, it might help some of these uh, film crews or production companies. Um, but at the same time, when you're looking at how much it costs to actually bring these in or how much money is flowing there, you're not really seeing as much um, economic growth being created. And that's where the, that's sort of where the term and that's sort of that's where the term, you know, quote unquote, corporate welfare comes mm -hmm. from. Uh, do, do these tax incentives that are given to businesses, whether it be the film industry or other industries, how do they benefit? the area economically, how do they benefit the area, the area's taxpayers, et cetera. Um, so there's still ongoing debate uh, about that. Moving on, you mentioned um, crime is an issue in the Philadelphia uh, mayor's race, but it's really been an issue statewide and nationwide. But um, uh, police departments and district attorneys across Pennsylvania uh, welcome the news that they're going to be getting some federal um, many um, federal money dollars to um, help combat that. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this is a this is a fairly large program, both in money and in uh, size. I suppose um, we're looking at about 170 million dollars going out, um, mostly through two programs um, uh, uh, overseen by the Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency. Um, and broad strokes here, I believe we're looking at. Uh, 100, let's see, 197, almost 200 um, different uh, police departments are getting about 120 million from this. And then another uh, 50, 50 million uh, will go to uh, district attorney's offices um, to about uh, almost three dozen um, district attorney offices. What are they going to do with the money? What, what's the money earmarked for? Yeah. So uh, this, this pretty, there's a pretty wide range here. Um, when we're talking about police departments, uh, this is for anything from IT upgrades and equipment, um, other equipment purchases, um, uh, funds for retention and re recruitment for more officers, which has been an issue in large cities and small towns as well, um, police training, and other um, personnel costs that may not be uh, covered by any uh, other uh, things in the budget or other grants they might have. Um, and when we're looking at... Uh, Areas that have either low clearance rates of serious crimes or high rates of violence, um, they're getting priority consideration uh, with this money. Uh, when we're looking at district attorney's offices, a lot of this will be going toward uh, gun violence task force forces, uh, personnel costs, IT and software, um, as well as firearm tracing programs and other efforts um, focused on arrests and prosecutions for any gun related crimes. Um, and then you have a certain amount of that is, is uh, reserved for rural agencies to make sure not all of this is just flowing uh, into larger cities. Uh, but th this is getting uh, bipartisan support um, I, uh, from the Democrats. Uh, Governor Wolf was saying, you know, this is an example of us making sure that we're funding our law enforcement agencies. Um, Republicans are also saying this is critical to address rising crime issues, staff shortages, um, drug related issues. Uh, so you know th this is this is fairly this is fairly bipartisan, um, and this is going out when, when looking at state level. Um, almost fifty counties, uh, forty-seven counties, will have police departments receiving money, and uh, Pennsylvania has sixty-seven counties. So the majority of counties are getting some level of funding somewhere. As always, Anthony, thank you for your insight into what's happening in Pennsylvania. But that is all the time we have this week. Anthony, I hope you and all of our listeners have a wonderful uh, Christmas or holiday season. Do stay safe 
bad weather could be coming to your area or wherever you might be traveling to. For Anthony Hammond, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.